0: So here's Nicodemus, this great story. You can almost pretend you're there looking at the screen, can't you? It's uh, it's quite evocative that. He comes to Jesus by night. And really what the Nicodemus story does for us is help us understand what our salvation really means and what salvation means in our daily life. Nicodemus teaches us a lot about ourselves. So who was he and what did he do? Well, he was a high-ranking Pharisee and he was a member of the Jewish ruling council that was called the Sanhedrin. Now, the Romans ruled everything, but they gave the Jews permission to rule Judea by virtue of this ruling council, which comprised Sadducees and Pharisees. The Sadducees were people who believed Uh, in, in the law, in the Torah, and in strict rules and regulations. The Pharisees were people who believed in the law and the Torah and strict regulations. The Sadducees were wealthy aristocrats. The Pharisees were not quite so wealthy. They were more men of the people because they were all men in the Sanhedrin. The Pharisees did believe in miracles and that somebody could be raised to life. The Sadducees did not believe that. That is why they were sad, you see. Thank you. Got it in there. Back of the neck. Um, So there were 70 members of the Sanhedrin. 70. And this was the, well, up to 71 they could literally have. Uh, And it comprised mainly Sadducees with a few Pharisees thrown in for good measure, if you like. But the Sadducees kind of pretty much took the majority rule in the Sanhedrin. 70 members of the Sanhedrin, over 100 members of the High Council. What an interesting comparison that would make. So, did I say that out loud? There you have, this week, I'm at training college, um, and I'm going to be teaching types of theology to BA students, Uh, and I'm going to be looking at liberation theology, feminist theology, black theology, womanist theology, and a theology of hope. I'm going to be teaching all of those this coming week, so if you try to get hold of me, I'm sorry, I'm going to be up to my neck in theology. One of the things about liberation theology, and I will actually talk more to this congregation about that at, at a later date, it's a fascinating subject. One of the interesting things about liberation theology is it's closely aligned with Marxism in the very early days. Because Karl Marx uh, purported equality for all, didn't he? It was absolute equality. If you go into it deeply, you see the basic plumb line is that he wanted equality for all, whoever they were, whether they're in power, whoever whoever they were. Marxism wanted that. Liberation theologians, which came a lot out of Latin America, also wanted equality, far more equality for all than, than, than they had at the moment, than, than they received. And they still say the same. They want equality right down the line. The thing about liberation theology is that they talk about God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they encourage people to embrace this kind of equality through Jesus. They encourage people to look at Jesus and his life. They encourage people to go deep down into the spirit, into the spiritual life, and embrace what Jesus can do. Marxism doesn't do that. He can't do that. He couldn't go that far to look at his own spiritual life and to look at the other spiritual life of others. He could not embrace the deeper part of Christianity, which is accepting Christ in your heart. Marxism couldn't do that. Same as Richard Dawkins. He wrote the book God Delusion. I didn't read it all, I've read some of it, but when you find, when you go into it and you study it a bit more deeply with other theologians, you find that actually the God delusion is saying a lot of what theologians have said for many years anyway. There's not a great deal of new stuff in the God delusion, but it's all straight on on one level it doesn't go deep Dawkins can't go deeper into the spiritual aspect he doesn't understand that he maybe he wants to but he he doesn't he makes he makes no bones about it he doesn't want to go into the spiritual realm and if you don't go into the spiritual realm then you can only go to a certain level of thought and a certain level of experience in life and that is where Nicodemus was He could only go to a certain level. And so he comes to Christ and he asks this big question about salvation. And when Jesus says you must be born again, Nicodemus takes it on what you might call the horizontal level of human thinking. The horizontal level which is, well, that's literal. You must be born again. How can someone go back into their mother's womb? I don't understand that. He couldn't grasp that. So Jesus answers this horizontal question on a vertical level. He says there has to be a vertical transformation. Something like the Holy Spirit will come down, the vertical level. Heaven will come down, the vertical level. That's the understanding that you need to achieve. He says by the Holy Spirit something very different will happen to you. Now Titus later on in the New Testament takes it if you'd, if you'd like to look at the screen it says this. When God our savior revealed his kindness and love he saved us not because of what we had done which is what Nicodemus would have said not because what we have done but because of his mercy. And this is the new thing that people have to take on board. Giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. And then if you go to Matthew's Gospel 19, Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Those words in yellow in both those verses mean exactly the same thing. It's only by the vertical transformation of the Holy Spirit, heaven to earth, vertical, if you like. It's by that transformation that you are saved. It is by that Holy Spirit that Christ will renew the world. So when someone becomes a Christian, the birth they had by means of mother and father is superseded. The act of physical procreation is superseded. It's bettered, if you like. Now, those of us who've been privileged to be at the birth of our children know what a wonder and what a joy it all is. We call them little miracles when they arrive, don't we? A little, and they are, and we thank God for them. But that's even superseded when a person becomes a Christian in the eyes of God. Something happens when somebody makes a free choice to open their whole spiritual being to the freedom, the guidance and working of God's own Spirit, John 3, 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh. Imagine if you heard on the news when you went home tonight that that Professor Richard Dawkins had embraced Christianity, had embraced Christ. You'd say, wow, that blows my mind. That's incredible. And that's what you see with Nicodemus. He was known, he was respected in his day. This was a big cheese, folks. This was big stuff. He was really, really well-known. Really high-profile Pharisee, and he goes to Jesus at night and asks more about that. That which is born of the flesh is the flesh. You know the program? Who do you think you are? Is sometimes on telly, um, I might have quoted this before. Um, uh, various celebrities go on that and they look at their family trees. It's very interesting. For some of them, I don't usually watch it, but uh, I I did understand that Boris Johnson is somehow linked to royalty. um, And that Jeremy Paxman had Salvation Army links. Um, There was another celebrity, and I can't remember her name. But she went on there and she found, she was in tears because she found that one of her forebears was a really bad person, committed real atrocities in their town uh, a number of hundred years ago. and you'll probably know the history of your own family. My great, 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 I think. No, three greats. My three great-grandfather grand, in Suffolk was the town drunk. He was notorious for being the town rowdy. I'd love to have met the man. I'm quite proud. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? I'd love to have met this guy, mingay, um, who's a drunk, the town drunk, used to get on horses backwards and try to find out where the head had gone. You know, he was nuts. Love it. How many of you have looked at your children and said, oh, I hope they don't turn out like me? Eh? I bet you have. Or he gets that temper from his father. That which is flesh is born of flesh. But there is a vertical transformation that is possible, as happened in my family, one or two generations later, when two generations ago, my my wonderful great-grandfather was a lay preacher, him and his wife, the most beautiful people. And then uh, from that, you know, it's incredible how, how that happens. Flesh is born of flesh, but even greater than that, that which is born of the Spirit is what Scripture calls incorruptible. That which is born of the Spirit, that conversion, that new embracing of Christ is perfect. It is of God. And this is what Nicodemus is trying to get his head around in this conversation with Jesus. So when he asks how a grown man can return to his mother's womb and be born again, it's a pointless question. I'm not condemning him for that. It's a natural question. He's coming at it from a human and physical point of view, rather than from the spiritual angle, and we all do it at some point or other. But Jesus makes the point that we can come into the experience of the kingdom of God through vertical transformation, not on the horizontal plane of a sequence of generations, but on the vertical plane of direct and divine fatherhood. Now, some scripture just going to come up here. I'd be grateful if you would read this. Let's all read this together. John 3, verses 5 to 8. Let's read together. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born and born. And this we call the miracle and the mystery of divine sonship. St. Paul refers to this as being a new creature, a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So Jesus answers Nicodemus in terms of a vertical transformation, a new day. He answers in terms of love, starts to reveal a new way of understanding of how God acts. The wind blows where it will. The Spirit is free to act when and how and with whom God wants him to act in sovereign love. And often we humans are surprised and we sometimes can't understand it. But God has chosen love over power. For the sake of divine love, God decided to get into this human mess all the way. And as we'll see in a few weeks' time at Easter, God did not say, I love you so much that I'm going to send somebody else to save you. But he said, I love you so much. It's there in 3.16 that he gave his only son. Now, Nicodemus will have seen many lives touched. He'll have heard the stories of healings, miracles, demons cast out. He'll have heard the story that Jesus was really becoming known now because of his earthly ministry. And maybe being witness or hearing those events prompted him to ask the question. In Jesus, he sees someone who puts a new perspective on his orthodoxy. He sees somebody who puts a new perspective on what he'd done all through the years and was now saying there is a new and a great way. We kind of touched on it last week when we thought all the week before, whenever it was, two weeks before, when I spoke about water into wine, that whole transformation thing. And he saw that in Jesus, the truth is that to honor the image of God, which he'd always done through Scripture, And rules and regulations but to honor the image of God in everyone he met he had to treat everybody equally with fairness and with love by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus confirms that salvation is an act of God who loves the world and its people to the point of death on the cross. If we have been baptized into the story of God's love revealed in Jesus then that's how we act. out of love and not judgment. Real love, true love, authentic love is the work of the incorruptible spirit. Our Christian faith says that people can be born again into a living faith. For some it happens all at once in a dramatic moment in a unique sense of divine intervention. But for others of us, maybe like Nicodemus, we struggle. We ask the questions, and that's the right thing to do. Don't ever fear that you're asking the questions. Don't ever fear the doubts. Thank God for Thomas. He's an example to us of somebody who doubts, but of somebody who actually comes through that doubt. It's a great privilege to be part of the family of God. The old song we used to sing, born of the Spirit with life from above into God's family divine. It has it right. And it's not just about church work. If we leave whatever we do on a Sunday aside, let's pack today aside for the moment, just for one moment, pack Sunday away in a bag. This is about what we do in the world each day. The way we live out our vocational life, the way we treat other people, the way we pray as individuals and as families, by the Spirit, Through the Holy Spirit. It's about a hunger to go really deeply with God. By the Holy Spirit. Learning more about Him. Not on a bright sunny Sunday like today, but on a wet Monday night maybe. And this is how our core will grow. Nurture, growth and health starts with us breaking further out into the spiritual dimension. To start for Nicodemus, he goes at night in case he's recognised probably. Or in case people actually see him with this this Jesus. A Pharisee, like Nicodemus, talking. Let's go under the cover of darkness. That's why he goes at night time. But like Nicodemus, what a great thing we can learn from him about wanting a new level of feeding. A new level of nourishing. A new level of understanding. Like Nicodemus, you want to learn on another level. You have great relationships together and with God. But let's go really deeply now together and learn more about what His Holy Spirit says about who we are and how we are. So finally, if God is a non-partisan God, if Christ died for everyone, then who is not included in His love? We all are. If God doesn't refuse anybody, then He doesn't refuse us. And we can't judge others Either So we love all people, those outside this place. And His Spirit will do the work of revelation. We don't save people. It's the work of the Holy Spirit convicting and processing and challenging people. And all that we do, born not of flesh but born of the Spirit, will contribute to the renewal and the recreation of God's good Ours is to walk in the Holy Spirit because, as John 3 17 says, God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. One speaker, one writer has said, If you meet God in the Spirit, everything that had you bound will break. If you meet God in the Spirit, everything that had you bound, the law, the Torah, the regulations and the rules will break. We've long believed in our ministry together um, in, in, in trusting fully the, the freedom and the work of the Holy Spirit and we've often, I've often given this illustration you might even hear this again one day from, from, from us but you know when you do a jigsaw what's the first thing you do? Thank you get the outside you get the edges, you get the frame don't you? And then you put the pieces in. That's right. Where the Holy Spirit is concerned, where you've got your Bible, as Carolyn was saying, the precious word, where you've got your doctrine that we all adhere to and understand, you don't need to make any more frames. Put the pieces in. Don't get the side bits first. Get the pieces in. And let the pieces go where they will. Follow the Holy Spirit and he will create something very beautiful in your life, your salvation experience, how you, how you read, how you pray, how you interact. And in that, I promise you, this core will grow.